the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T dot com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, welcome to the show. I am Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. And I hope you like that new introduction that we have. I'm telling you, the guys at the station here are so kind to me. That was Ramon, and he did such a great job on that. And Jeremy's my producer, and so they're always, you know, they always have my back. So it's very nice that they were able to do a fresh and new one for me. So I hope you enjoyed that. And that you make sure that you share this with your friends, your family, coworkers, as we really are trying to learn and be the best version we can be of ourselves, especially in these times. So we're going to talk today about fear. And I have a special guest, the, the last half of this hour, that I think you will really enjoy. His name is Chuck Brinsma, and he has an entire organization for anyone, that, the people that are retired, that are wanting to really reach out in the community, really reach out in the world, and help really use the talents and abilities that they have. And so I'm excited to have him on the show in the, at the last half of this hour. So we're talking about fear. And what does fear do? And what is, is fear really about? And, and what are we supposed to do about fear? Because you, you and I both know, we, we do feel like we're in scary times right now. There are things that we just never anticipated would be happening that are happening. And things we think should be happening, things we wish would be happening. And, and these, this, these are trying times. So I, I want to refresh your memory on this verse. This is Matthew chapter 25, verses 26 through 30. And I like the message version of this verse. It makes it very, you know, kind of, kind of dramatic. So it starts in verse 26, and it says, The master was furious. That's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, 
why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done would have been to invest the sum with bankers where at least I would have gotten a little interest. Take the thousand and give it to the one who risked the most. And get rid of this play it safe who won't go out on a limb. Throw him out into utter darkness. I, I, I mean, if that's not pretty, um, I don't know, con- condemning in some ways, uh, of those of us that are always shirking from anything that causes us to feel uncomfortable, anxious, or afraid. And I want you to know this is not about you getting in trouble or, or God being mad at you if you're afraid. We know that Jesus was. So that's not the point. The point is he's saying, I don't want you to waste one minute of this life. I have great plans for you. And they're to prosper you and not to harm you. They're for, your, for hope and for your future. So he doesn't want us to, to shrink, to sink back into ourselves. And to be so cautious as to miss out on the life that God is giving us and the effect and impact that we are to have on the people around us and the, and the world in its entirety. So I like it when he, when he says, the master is furious. It's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live so cautiously. Now, obviously, we are not talking about a lack of judgment. We're talking about letting the cares of the world and the way the world is acting and the things that we are hearing cause us to feel smaller and smaller and smaller inside. And already defeated in whatever arena you are are wanting success to have happen. And that we're already wanting to maybe even give up. And God is saying, no, 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 no. So here's, here's the New Living Translation. And this is Isaiah chapter 51, verse 12. It says, I, yes, I, am the one who comforts you. So why are you afraid of mere humans who wither like grass and disappear? And God is saying to us, if you're going to fear anything, if you're going to be afraid of anybody, be afraid of me. I'm the one that can eradicate your life completely. I'm the one that can take you off the planet. I'm the one that can make it be as if you never existed. So why are you afraid of mere mortals? They're human just like you. And so I like, I like this idea of God, you know, really calling us to live, to live out our lives, taking risks with God. We only have one life, so he wants us to live it well. And living well does not mean living perfectly. It also is not recklessly with abandon. It's taking risks with intention, with courage, with passion. See, God is saying, be willing to make mistakes. I can handle your mistakes. I've made provision for every mistake you make. I'm the God of all. He says to us, he has resources that we don't even know of. He has so many resources. He goes on to say, I can create resources if need be. You must take risks, make mistakes to be human. You must do this to be all I've created you to be. You must push. You must strain. You must do it afraid. He goes on to tell us so often in the Bible and in so many different translations that, he, he, that we have no idea how beautifully and wonderfully made we are to him. He wants you to come discover yourself with him. So humans need to make mistakes in order to learn. 
I wish we could always learn without making mistakes. But unfortunately, humans learn by making mistakes, just as all mammals do. That's one of the ways we find out, wow, it's not good to touch a hot stove. So we don't want to ever be afraid or ashamed of mistakes. We want to recognize that the most successful people are the ones that are willing to make mistakes. Get back and try again and try a new way. I mean, no one likes to shock themselves. I don't like shocking myself, and I have done that before. And I, It's not always something I, I relish. But I want to make sure I'm living. And so the things that need to be resolved are the ones that have energy. Those things that, that I keep thinking on, I have to say to myself, okay, do I need to make amends to somebody? Do I need to tell someone that I made the mistake? Or do I simply need to forgive myself and move on and learn from it and recognize that the past issues, I need to look at my past the same way as I would look at my, my past as, as a parent would look for as a kid. They would say to this child, hey, you're learning, you're growing. I remember when you messed up there, but you haven't done it now. So we want to look at our past with acceptance, without judgment, so that we can actually learn what we needed to learn from it so it is not repeated, or we practice repeating what works. So this is really important. It doesn't mean that we look at behaviors or incidences so objectively that we're not looking for where morality might lie. So it doesn't mean that we are taking away the offense or the mistake. We're not taking away the power in it. We are wanting to make sure that we are doing correctly a response instead of beating ourselves up. Because I'm telling you, if you beat yourself up for the mistakes that you make, you're bound to do them again. Anyone that has struggles with shame or guilt, they have a tendency to do more shameful and more guilty things. So the goal is not to be perfect. The goal is, is what we see in Philippians 1.6, and it says it means that we must resolve, let it die, and not let there be life in those old things. He says, forget the past. Don't dwell on it. I'm doing a new thing. And I love that in, in Jeremiah. And so this applies to our successes as well. Just as I can, cannot continue to live in the shame and embarrassment of my past behaviors, I can't just live in my past successes. See, this means what I'm taking with me into the future are my lessons. So many of us have great, great memories of the past. And we don't want to let that forward-looking way that we should be walking through our life, we don't want to be looking backwards and only reminiscing about the past and not living in our present and, and refusing to, to participate in creating a new future. So this is super important that we're to remember and we're to learn. And we're never to use hindsight for self-abuse. Hindsight is only intended to see where we were as it's related to where we're going. So we need our memories to remind us of either who we are or who we are not. When people have amnesia, dementia, Alzheimer's, many times relationship with them is impossible because they don't know who they are from any given moment to the next. 
They don't remember the things. We can't reminisce with them. So it's very important that you continue to protect your past and have your past have truth in it so that you can refer to it and know that that's something I'm going to keep doing or that's something I don't ever want to do again. That's something I need to ask for forgiveness for and forgive myself for. You see, God paid the price for our ability to learn and to grow without incurring a debt. That's amazing, isn't it? That's the freedom that God gives us in his forgiveness. That's what the son Jesus did for us, is he died for those mistakes that we needed to make in order to learn. So you're allowed to make mistakes. There's no other way to learn. And God is aware of this, and he's made provision for it. So when we look at this idea, Satan wants me to get so caught up in how egregious the behavior is or whatever it is I'm condemned of and that whatever shame I have of what I did, that I can't even do any healthy problem solving. See, God knows. Sin is not logical. It never is. That's why it's so embarrassing. So be kind to you. Now join me in the next segment as we talk more about what it means to learn from my past. Well, welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. Thank you so much for joining me today. And we are talking about fear and stop playing it safe and how fear-based we are as humans by nature and that we are in trying times right now. It is, there's a lot of things that are kind of scary and it causes us to fear even our future. So I, I have some, some scriptures that I really like that has helped me. And I like 1 Corinthians 2, chapter, chapter 2, verse 9, and it says, But it is written in the scriptures, No one eye has ever seen this. No one ear has ever heard about it. No one human heart has ever imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And one of my favorite memory verses is Ephesians 3.20. And it says, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does not do this by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. I love that. He says he can do far more than we could ever imagine or guess or request in our wildest dreams. God is outside of the limits of our dreaming to do even more. And he says it not that he doesn't do it by pushing us around. He's kind to us. He's gentle with us. And then we have the famous Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. And this says, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out, plans to take care of you, not abandon you, plans to give you hope and future. When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I'll listen. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. I mean, those are very, very powerful scriptures. So I want you to think about this idea, courage and bravery. Okay, what, what is courage and bravery? 
Well, in, in a lot of ways, it's, it's just doing it afraid is what, it's, what it is. <laughs> you know, because think about this. If it wasn't scary, it wouldn't take any courage, would it? You wouldn't have to be brave if there wasn't something scary. So that's what courage and bravery is. It's doing something afraid. Now, I don't want you to judge what triggers fear for you and, and what, what may be scary to you. You don't ever have to justify, apologize, you know, uh, explain why something is fearful to you. There are some things that, that are fearful to me, not to other people. And there are some things that people are afraid of. I, I don't, I'm not afraid of it at all. So you don't want to judge what you're afraid of. You want to respect it and recognize that, wow, okay, I'm having some fear. So the fears that we have, that we have in common, and some that we just have to understand are unique to us. So when you recognize fear, worry, I don't know, being scared, upset, uneasy, Whatever that is, I don't want you to judge it. One of the ways the enemy increases those feelings is by causing us to judge those feelings. They're just simply information for you. So what I want you to do is I want you to engage in discovery. Because explorers would not have made the discoveries they had if they let fear get in their way. I mean, think about the story of uh, Christopher Columbus. I heard this story recently, and, and I found out he was a dreamer, a visionary, who could see past what was into more. And when popular opinion and, I mean, staunch belief taught that the earth was flat, Christopher Columbus, this explorer of an unknown territory, refused to believe that fearful notion. He knew there was more to be discovered and what could be seen by the human eye. So, driven by faith and determination, okay, Columbus approached the kingdom authorities with hopes of securing permission to set sail for all these places that were unknown. And he believed that he would discover more. So, maybe you can relate to Christopher Columbus. Now, I mean, I'm not Christopher Columbus. That man is, is amazing. He's, a, he's an icon, right? So, your dream might not be that big. Maybe not, but your potential is. Your fear may not be as frightening as what Christopher Columbus was facing. But it takes bravery and courage anyways. So why did God create you? What are you here for? See, I see huge accomplishments and dreams reawakened every day in my office. So I want you to know that this is not happenstance, that you are here at this time. You have something to offer the world at this time. Your neighborhood, your family, your friends, your city, your country, whatever it may be. It's important for you to be saying to God, I am really uncomfortable. I do not like this. This is not the way it has been. This is upside down, inside out, and backwards. And I am super uncomfortable. And I am really worried about where things are going. I'm really scared, right? That's what we want to say to God. So that we can say to him, help me be strong and courageous. I love that verse. He says, be strong, be courageous, do not be terrified. For the Lord your God goes with you and he will never leave. 
So we can hold that close to our hearts when we are in uncertain times. And we can know that even if we cannot see to the other side, God is with us and then goes with us and has already been to the end. And so he's the beginning, he's the end, and he's everything in the middle. So we have God to really, really call on. And we want to encourage others to do the same. We don't want to try to maneuver through this time all on our own might and our own intellect. There are things that we have never experienced, things we have never seen, things we have never even thought would happen are happening. So this is important when we realize this pruning, this guiding, this directing, mentoring, coaching, really that God is doing. So when we think about this whole idea, we first want to find out, we want to accept, you know, what is occurring. We want to really work on accepting what's happening. And, and I know that feels many times counter, counterintuitive because it, there are things that are unacceptable that are happening right now. So when I say we accept something, I don't mean that we agree. And that's a very important distinction for you to make that I can accept things that I don't agree with. Because part of accepting it is being able to change it. And this is very, very critical to what's going on right now, that we really practice accepting, okay, we're not going to be in denial about this. We're not going to be judging everybody involved in this. We're going to accept the fact that this is where we're at. And there's a lot of reasons we got here. We don't know all of them. Some of them we created, some the enemy, some people, uh, some of it is humans' fear, their greed, their need for power, their whatever it may be. But we're all in this together. So we want to make sure that we really understand the potential that we have here, the potential and the capability of being and becoming something better. This is Cynthia Hyatt. Join me in the next segment as we talk with our guest about what it means to really be in these times. Well, welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining me. And like I told you in the beginning of this hour, we have a special guest with us today. His name is Chuck Brinsma. Oh, my goodness. I thought I had it right. And so I'm really excited to have you hear what he is doing. And it's uh, the organization that he has created is called Retirement Reformation. And, you know, part of what the person that contacted me about Bruce told me that the thing that he heard Bruce say that he loved so much was that Bruce said, well... In regards to your father retiring, he knows what he's retiring from, but probably doesn't know what he's retiring to. And I just thought that was phenomenal. So we are going to have him talk about especially how our seniors and our retired folks can really help with a lot of the fear that we are having over this COVID, over this virus. And not in any way we're minimizing, but really wanting to have a really good perspective on this and what God is actually doing through this and what we need to do about it. So 
Chuck, thank you so much. Bruce, I'm sorry. I'm really messing this up this morning. <laughs> That's all right. I, well, I have no fear, so uh, <laughs> we'll just go forward. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you, you being so kind. Yes. Yeah, so tell us more about this organization and what you're doing. Well, the Retirement Reformation is, is spawned out of uh, some new realities that we've never really faced before. The first reality, Cynthia, is that that this what the what the world calls retirement is is really a, a thirty year period. Uh, yes. When I was growing up, you know, you worked till sixty three, four, five, six, and you died at sixty seven, and if you lived to seventy, you were really, really old. Well, now that's certainly not the case. Uh, your mother's a wonderful example in our earlier conversation. Yes. she was eighty two. Eighty eight. Eighty eight. Eighty eight. Yes. She may she may very well have another twelve to fifteen years beyond that's right. where she is. And so longevity is the first thing and, and all the all the realities that come and the lack of experience that we have with it. Secondly, is that uh, the the belief that we that we have a clear calling in our lives and that calling doesn't stop when we're sixty five or seventy, but we're really called to be faithful for a lifetime. So it's the combination of, of there is more for us to do we are prepared to do it, and we've got a longer time to do it in, are really the foundations of, the, of, of what we call the Retirement Reformation. Oh, that's very exciting. And how did you come up with doing this? When, how long have you, have you been doing this? Well, it's an interesting process. Uh, for the last 30 years, I, I have started and owned and managed a, a wealth management and financial services industry uh, firm. And, and we spent all those years trying to convince people to, to save and to do the right financial things. And about five years ago, I realized that, you know, if the why isn't big enough, the how doesn't matter. Oh, interesting. You need to say that again. I love that. If the why isn't big enough, the how doesn't matter. And in our industry, we spent probably the last 30 years trying to teach people how to save or how right. to plan for retirement, and we, we totally ignored the why. And the oh, why excellent. is what drives action. That's a, that's a, yeah, that is a great way to look at this. So how, how do you help people move through that and, and, and guide them in this? And Well, there's a, a couple of things, I think, that, that uh, quote that, that uh, you used in the beginning yes. is, is a good starting place, is that most people in, in, in North America are pretty clear about what they're retiring from. They've got a good view out of that rearview mirror, but, man, that front view window is, is just really totally foggy. And so as a, as a net result, uh, the majority of, of, of people, when we ask them, what are you going to do in retirement, the answer is some version of nothing. Right. <laughs> And it, and it may be couched in the terms of leisure or travel right. or whatever. And how long can but you in, do that? Yeah, but it doesn't have meaning and purpose. Exactly. And so that lack of meaning and purpose is, is, is actually one of, the, one of the key drivers in helping people to, to discover that, A, that does exist in their life. What is it? And what do I do next? 
Oh, I love that. Well, we're coming to the end of this this short segment. And so, listeners, make sure that you stay tuned in because we are going to be having Bruce with us for the last part of this show. And he's going to talk more about this whole idea about retirement reformation. And what we're finding is that many people are retiring even at 55 and they're thinking they're going to have this great, like, big, long party, and then they find out this isn't, there's no reason to get up every day, right? Exactly. And so stay with us, because we're going to talk more about really what this is about and how we actually can impact the world we live in positively and with some great guidance from him and that we can give that guidance to others so that we can really continue to, to be Christ where we need to be. Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. You are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining me. And if you're just tuning in, I'm so glad that you are because you are going to really enjoy the guests that I have today. Um, Make sure that if you are just tuning in, you can listen to the show in its entirety, either on the website at CynthiaHyatt.com or any of your favorite podcast servers. It will be posted there as well. So we have Bruce Brinesma with us, and he is in charge of this and has created this wonderful organization called Retirement Reformation. And many of you listeners, I know you have heard me tell these stories about my mother and just how amazing she is at her age. And she's, she tells me and, and Michael, she goes, I just never thought I would still be here. And so she's always been very active and very uh, wanting meaning and purpose in her life. And so... When I was contacted about Bruce, I thought, this is great, because there is a whole segment of people we have with amazing amounts of knowledge and life experience that have so much to still offer. And so, so Bruce, thank you for joining us again. Tell us again, the, the, for the listeners now, what, what you really are doing and how this came about. Retirement Reformation is a movement. And it's the reason it's a movement is because you come at it with open hands. There are issues that we can explore, and we will here in the next few moments. But the answers to those and the inspiration that can come comes from people like your mother. And there are 30 million Christians in the in the U.S. There are 50 million of us that are over 60 and, and older, and and we're growing at a rate of 10,000 a day. So wow. there's a there's a huge number of us. And there is a huge need, there's a huge opportunity, and what we realized in setting up the Retirement Reformation, that there needed to be some resources to help people, first of all, connect with and acknowledge the fact that retirement may be as long as 30 years or more. It may extend all the way to 100 or 104, number one. Number two, that, that, that we were created with a plan for our lives. And that plan doesn't stop at age 65 or 70, but continues. Unfortunately, what so many of us have done is have adopted what, what, the, what the world tells us is retirement. And if you don't mind, I'm just going to give you the world's definition. Yes, please. The world's definition of retirement is, first of all, it's all downhill, mentally and physically. <laughs> right, right. And then you die. And the goal is to jam as much leisure as you can into the time in between. And right. when, we, when we buy into that perspective, 
that doesn't doesn't leave any room, doesn't leave any operating space, doesn't doesn't leave any bandwidth for the meaning and purpose that God has for your life in all the three stages of retirement. And there are three stages. It's not just one homogeneous stage. So right. the, understanding those things is really important. So, you know, where do we get meaning and purpose? What And in, in you, you spent in the first uh, half hour of your program, I believe you were talking about fear. Yes. Well, what drives out fear? Knowledge and love. That's right. Those two things drive out fear. So the re- part of the retirement reformation is to make sure that we, un- that we represent God's love to the world. And secondly, we provide the knowledge and the information that there is more. Oh, I love that. You know, I read the, the verse um, out of Matthew about the, the ten talents. You know, and I read it out of the message version, and it says the master was furious. That's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do the least? And he goes on to say, you know, that the least you could have done would have been to invest the sum to bankers, right? That would have gotten a little interest. And he says, so take the thousand, give it to the one who risked the most, and get out of this play it safe way. And and so I thought, wow, that is amazing that God is really wanting us to be bold and courageous and strong and not in a false manner. I mean, I know that I'm, you know, I'm in my late 50s. I'll be 58 this year, which I still can't believe. And so young person that you are. <laughs> thank you. So, <clears throat> you know, for me, what would be being courageous is different now than what I was doing when I was in my 30s. And so we want to help people take advantage of their history. And I'm always telling clients of mine, you know, your history is there to help you see what you want to keep doing or what you want to stop doing. That's why we still have memory, right? Absolutely. So how do you, how do you kind of galvanize people? How do you um, organize them? How do they get involved in doing something? Once they have had their what we can call an aha moment, oh, my goodness, there is more, and I didn't realize it, or I've been ignoring it, or, or been hiding from it. It could be any one of those motivations. But once that aha moment happens, then all of a sudden there's a spark in a, in, in a curiosity that says, wow, what really am I prepared for? We believe the way I read my Bible is that God's plan for my life was, was started before time began, and then I was born with my DNA, and, yes. and I have all of the life experiences so now I'm at a point where I'm the most mature, the most knowledgeable. I can still grow spiritually. I can still grow emotionally, even though physically and mentally there may be some of that downhill trek. But those other two, and then the, the three stages of retirement, realizing that active stage between, oh, I don't know, 66, 67, and, and the late 70s, where you can be just totally active and, and use all those skills. Then you transition after that, from, say, 78 or so till mid to late 80s, and, and we call that a mentoring time, a time of being able to to speak into the lives of others, uh, to be able to take that experience, the, the Proverbs 3 information, and be able to apply that in others' lives. And because of your growth in, in your spiritual walk and in your, in your, your, your uh, emotional um, uh, capacity, you're able finally to speak into perhaps issues that you've ignored with with family or relationships that have just gone south. Mm. Anyway, you got mentoring. And then that last stage of reflecting. And so whether it be your mom teaching a, 
A Class on Heaven. We talk about Jimmy Carter's book at 92 and how he reflected. We talk about Billy Graham and how he reflect. Just examples of how we can how we can reflect and be able to impact the generations. If I can just throw one other piece into this, yes. which makes it really interesting, is that for the first time, maybe since Methuselah, for Pete's sake, there may be five generations alive yes, at the same time. That's right. Boy, you think that doesn't create complexity? <laughs> no oh, kidding. Yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and then in the church and other places, we put them in silos by age, so they don't even talk to each other. Right. So, oh my goodness, look at all the opportunities that we have—the wasted opportunities, but the active opportunities to be able to move, be able to move forward. Um, if you don't mind, I'll just share a Please. story from my own personal family in the last two days. Um, my, my my wife's name is Judy, and we've only been married for 58 years, so we'll get it straight <laughs> one of these days. And and her sister called her and says, Judy, I just found a book that our dad or a a, uh, a journal that our dad wrote 30 years ago that I just found. And and so she sent that to us, and and Judy and I read that together, and he had been so kind because he shared everything from his age five probably up to age 50. And Judy and her brother and sister knew some of the stories, but not all of the stories. And so in the next week, the three of them are going to get together on Zoom and read through it together and be able to understand more about who they are, what their history was, and be able to share that with grandchildren. Oh, that's I think that's amazing. You know, one of the things that, and I don't want to get political, but part of the thing I'm seeing in our culture is this wanting to eradicate the past. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a therapist, we know that we don't eradicate the past, we heal the past. We learn from mm-hmm. the past, and the past is very important as to what, we want to make sure we don't repeat. Exactly what we want to emphasize. Exactly. What we want to understand and what we and what we don't want to repeat. So Exactly. And wonderful so we have yes. Yeah, so we have all these these you know, we have a much bigger retired, you know, population than we have ever had. And they have a wealth of information. And why would we not be asking and accepting and looking for wisdom? Exactly. I, I think that's all part of it. So bringing the opportunities together and creating the pathways for people to follow in their own journey uh, for, the, for the balance of their lives is one of the roles of the Retirement Reformation. So, for example, if you go to retirementreformation.org, one of the things you will see there will be un, under the heading is, is something called the Retirement Reformation Manifesto. Mm. And you can go down, and it has the, the 10 principles uh, of, of the way that we think about retirement, and we believe that uh, God thinks about retirement, and that uh, that can be a guide for you. You can review that. Uh, there's just a, an increasing uh, amount of material that's there for people to access, whether it be a prayer walk, a prayer guide, devotions, study guides, things just so that people can say, okay, I, I think I need a little help here. Uh, and, uh, and, and so to provide those avenues for them, to explore what what the meaning and purpose is, and then coming to the freedom and joy. And let me then just wrap that little thought up okay. with you know what the what the wonderful result of that is, hmm. is that we have then access to the fruits of the spirit. Yes, yes. Explain that well, more. That's very helpful. When in fact we are we have meaning and purpose. We are in God's will. 
we're outwardly focused. We're not shrinkingly inward, as, as unfortunately happens to so many as they age. But we're continuing to look outward that that releases our spirit. And that spirit then can reflect the power of God in our lives. And so when we talk about love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control, for those to be visible, and, and you talked earlier about there is the opportunity to change our culture, to change our time. Yes, yes. And, and there's only 30 million of us, and, <laughs> and if we were all walking in that spirit, believe me, I think we could make a difference. Yes. Now, you know, I, unfortunately, and I think I need to have you back again, because I want to hear more about how people get involved. And so mm-hmm. we have one minute, about one and a half minutes. So what would you like, I want you to make, I'm looking at your site, which is wonderful. So make sure you let the listeners know how to get a hold of you and what they can do. Go to retirementreformation.org, O-R-G, and there you will see an expanding array of different resources. I would start with the manifesto and understand that. If you agree with it, sign it like a few thousand people have already, and then be able to then move into uh, one of the other areas of, of exploration. And I, I think you will find the opportunity for answers. Oh, I guess I'd better plug the book, too. <laughs> uh, the Retirement Reformation would, uh, after you read the manifesto, if you read the book, The Retirement Reformation, I think it would take you a long ways down the road. Oh, I love that. Well, I, I so appreciate you taking time. And I am, I, you know, I, I get excited about many things that I see Christians doing. But this one, I think, I don't think people are going to understand the merit that this has. The, the honoring of people that have gone before us is so important in just healthy uh, formation in all humans. And it helps us do the relationships. You know, we have the one up relationship, the side by side, and then the one down. And if we don't honor the one up, the ones that went before us, then we do a disservice to the ones that are following us as well. Well, I'd love to have an extended conversation yes. with you. I think there's lots of pieces to this puzzle there really that is. together we can we can explore and 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 perhaps uh, lend a you know a, a cup of cold water to a lot of people, a lot of your listeners. Well, I appreciate you being here today. Thank you, listeners, and th- make sure that you visit Bruce's website and and have a wonderful, blessed week with really no fear. We hope this past hour has been encouraging motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from her website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please Take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version. Be-